Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I am joined today uh, by Derek Hart. Um, He is known as a couples rebuilder. Hi, Derek. Hi, how you doing? I'm so good. Good Yeah, Kaylin. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good to see you, too. so I'm going to tell you all a little bit about uh, who who Derek is in the world, who Derek is to me, and then uh, we will just jump in and uh, and get to the meat and potatoes of this uh, this episode. Um, so as I as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, um, he's known as a couples rebuilder, and that is exactly how I have experienced Derek. Um, so he does deep, deep, deep counseling, um, with couples, uh, both married couples and just partnered couples, right, Derek? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing that, um, the thing that I love most about, uh, Derek's work is that he is really a stand for vulnerability and he gives couples really specific tools and language and creates a space where couples get to be heard and seen by each other, um, in a, in a very unique and connecting way. Um, and so my, uh, it was only a matter of time, I think, before I asked you to come on to the show, Derek. (laughs) And, um, and my personal experience, um, with Derek is that he actually, um, supported my, me and a partner of mine a couple years ago, um, to, we were at a crossroads and really looking at like, okay, are we committed to this relationship long-term or not? And if so, you know, how do we want to choose to complete this relationship powerfully and get all of the gold in the process, you know? And so through our work, um, with Derek, you know, and some, some additional other work we were doing at the time, we, we decided to end our relationship. And, you know, I have to say that like doing it in a container where we were held and where there was a lot of love, um, it just, it made a huge, uh, a huge difference for me. So, um, Derek, thank you for being such a gift. Oh, I think, I think, I think couples need to stay together as deeply as they can, as soon as possible or break up as soon as possible. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the purgatory. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. The purgatory is totally the problem. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's a disempowered place to be. So I love that you really like help people choose powerfully. Um, well, we're going to get, I think, deeper into your work in a moment. Um, but I want to just do a little backtrack and just ask you, how did we get here? (laughs) Um, yeah. How did you, how did you sort of get into this? What, you know, what inspired, uh, this deep, deep work that you've immersed yourself in? Yeah, you know, I started, uh, uh, I don't want to date myself here, but uh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you the date and time. Mm. Uh, December 2nd, uh, 1990 at 7.30 p.m. Uh, I went to a 12-step meeting, uh, CODA, Codependence Anonymous. Um, I didn't have a substance abuse problem, so I wanted to uh, get a handle on relationships and learn all about them. 
that's kind of the nice version. The real version is like, I wanted to, you know, jump off a mountain and I was falling apart and hitting a bottom. Uh, and I was in a relationship that wasn't working and I couldn't leave. Uh, I didn't know how to leave. I was so dependent on that, you know, that connection. So I went to this program and within a month or two, I, I just took to it like nothing else. It was just my, I found my home. I found my family. Uh, and kind of the reason why I have so much experience over the years is, you know, I go to these meetings, I went every day and I committed to going every day uh, to a meeting until I stopped crying. Mm. And that, that, that happened about four years later. So I had a really tough background and I went, wow. every, I went every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's pretty real. So so I went every yeah. day, but what I got to do is I got to go to these meetings and then I got to go to dinner after, if you know, if, if you're a fan yeah. of 12 step programs, people go to fellowship and I would talk to people from, you know, 7 30 PM until one in the morning, mm -hmm. seven days a week. And then I started speaking and I was on, you know, what they call the speaker circuit and I started sponsoring people and that was kind of my way in. So I learned everything about everything relationship and uh became obsessed with it and kind of never stopped wow yeah four years of non-stop coda meetings yeah yeah i had i i had a lot to feel and now come full circle i used to lecture on codependency and it took years and years and years and years to find the actual answer to codependency because codependency is actually thought of as a problem you have a problem because you're behaving this way. Well, the antidote is vulnerability. Mm. And that's and that's what I lecture about now if I if I speak at a conference or something in, in that world mm. of codependency. Um, and that's the actual solution. And I didn't know there was a solution. I just thought I was bad and wrong for being codependent. Um, but it, but it turns out there's a way through and it's actually, not only okay to have needs and feel needy, it's actually critical to express that and know what to do with it. So mm -hmm. that's what, that's what I teach a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that reframe. Uh, co codependency, it gets, it gets a bad rap, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and what I really hear in that is the, the gold that you pull out from it. And, also, it's like if you're actually responsible about your needs, mm -hmm. then it creates a whole different kind of conversation. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And people have so it's like I have a need. And then I get into a relationship and we start having communication difficulties. So my needs go underground. And I either push and protest to get them met or I withdraw and pull back when they're not getting met. I'll do anything and everything to preserve the relationship, to make sure I keep the bond because mm -hmm. it's too painful to let the bond go. But I will start doing all these things to cope when I don't get my needs met. And if I go read lots of books on you know, how to pack those needs away nice and tidy doing other things. Well, I'm actually not on track to reconnect in my relationship. And I mean, almost every couple that comes to me has this exact problem. Their needs went underground and we need to revive those and have them know what to do with those needs. And that affects both people. It's definitely not an individual process. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things that, that you say is uh, marriage counseling is the most unsuccessful type of counseling that exists. Yeah. <laughs> Please yeah. say more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know why this is exactly, but when people find their way to me, they've usually been to, you know, therapists or psychiatrists, marriage, family therapists. And uh, first of all, I love all those people. They're the most interesting people to me. I'm friends with people, you know, that are in the field. But what happens a lot of the time is I literally have couples come to me where, you know, the man is like a psychiatrist, the woman is a psychologist, and they've been going to therapists. And 
for years, first of all, that's a really big red flag. If you go to a therapist for years and, and then you try multiple and you're going for a long time, um, that's actually, that means it's not working. Mm. If, if you have an experience to where you go to a therapy office as a couple and you feel maybe mild relief or that you got everything out on the table and that you've released your frustrations, that's very different from feeling uh, rebonded and reconnected. And that is, that is an actual permanent change that very few therapists know how to make. That, like that goes way into what's called our limbic system, fear, pain centers, and it becomes scary to approach each other in relationship. And that has to get corrected. If I have something that I'm scared to share with you, and then I approach you and I'm too scared and I don't do it, mm -hmm. that's the moment that has to get repaired in relationship. Mm -hmm. So when you go to therapists and you spent, you know, you go for 30 sessions, 40 sessions, all these hours, and you're going round and round talking about your problems, you're not only doing something neutral a lot of the time, you're actually causing harm. You're causing further harm to the relationship and more hopelessness. And it gets more uncomfortable because you're not actually connecting. And then you're dependent on a therapist. And that, that, that whole entire process doesn't work. So I've got some clients where, where I think my biggest one is I'm the, I think I'm the 13th counselor and, it, and I, 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 it was a really successful client because I was the last one and they got married. So. Wow. So and they stuck it through 13 therapists deep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 They yeah. really wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they're starting to not need me. And they're very sad about that. Oh. They're actually experienced. Like I'm actually telling them, hey, you can come talk to me anytime, but you're graduating. It's now safe to tell each other what you're in pain and fear about. And you don't abandon each other. Your relationship works now. Yeah. I hate to see you go, but you got to go. It's time. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. Well, and um, I was just thinking something. It'll come to me here. Um, the, I just lost my thought. Well, I, so what is like when couples come to you, um, what are some of the biggest patterns that you see? So. <clears throat> Even though relationships is probably one of the most complicated topics we could talk about, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll say one thing, and I'm kind of forming this answer right now. Um, I'll say one thing that is uh, uh, similar to almost a hundred percent of them. It's that they become reactive to each other, and the frustrations about feeling criticized or feeling like uh, they, they can't get their needs met, because those needs go underground, they lose the ability to express what they need in a way to, where they will get received by the other. Mm -hmm. So what's so complicated about that is almost literally, no matter what I say, my partner can't hear it. So once it gets to that point, it's what I call couple couples being allergic to each other. So even if I'm gentle and loving and I say, I'm sorry, right. Or I reassure the other partners got like steam coming out of their ears and they don't know what to do with that. So what do I help them do? It's strenuous, but it's simple to explain. I help each partner slow down mm -hmm. with the discomfort of what they're feeling. And I help them find the meaning and the actual feelings that they're having. And I don't mean intellectual feelings. Like you can say I'm sad and that can be intellectual. 
or you can say I'm sad and I, and it's in the eyes and there's tears and me as counselor, I well up in tears a little actual getting in touch with feelings is a sensation in the body. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I help slow that down. And I say there's discomfort because that discomfort became so painful. It now gets skipped. Mm. So what happens if I speed it up? It's like, I need something from you. And I'm really mad at you that you can't give it. And here's why you can't give it. And it's probably related to these reasons. And why don't you give me what I need? So I skip myself. Mm. So I slow people down one at a time. So they feel connected to and validated by me. Mm -hmm. But I'm always watching the other partner. And I have to be assessing whether they can receive it because they haven't seen their partner open up like this. So I do that possibly back and forth with both of them and, and until they feel heard and understood, then I start doing what are what I call interactions. So it's like, okay, you know, I, you know, I helped the woman get in touch with uh, uh, sadness. Like she, she, she finally moved from frustration into sadness. Mm -hmm. That's not always the feeling you move to, but sometimes it's, you know, a lot of the time it's sadness that right. gets revealed. And when I feel the couple's ready, I will have her share that with her partner. Mm. The sharing of those feelings, it's like emotion is the messenger of love. Mm. And as soon as she shares that with him, if it's heterosexual, you know, couple, as soon as she shares that, if he can receive it, she's done kind of the, in the final analysis, what couples counseling has to have to succeed. She has to reveal her fear and actually show the emotion of it without blame, but actually being in touch with it and reveal that kind of vulnerability to her partner. Yeah. Then he can let it in. If he lets it in and gives her the feedback that he's let it in, that's a complete circle. That's the permanent healing of relationship. Mm -hmm. I, that's actually, I'm going to be yeah. kind of bold here for a minute. This is not my opinion. This is attachment theory and science speaking. That is the only healing of relationship. Mm. There's no other way. Yeah. I don't bother with all of the other things I've done over the years. My yeah. point is to get to that. Now, it sometimes takes 12 to 18 hours to get to that. Right. But we have to get to that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a really advanced practice to learn to bring your emotions from total generosity and responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to be in the face of your trigger. Yeah. Right. And, but the, I think the, um, the biggest thing I see in my work is that like the ownership piece, you know, mm -hmm. it's that that's where people hang themselves. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's I love that you're slowing it down, getting them into their bodies yeah. and then actually having them, you know, create the responsibility of their emotions. Yeah. And they're finding it. And this is this is one of the more complex parts of when I teach therapists how to do this. Uh, I start I start out with this idea and then. You know, I go into literally three hour conversations about this one idea. I have to tell therapists that I loan the client my nervous system. Mm. And what does that mean? That means that I actually have to go through the, the real emotion with them. So, so when they, you know, so when they're finally getting in touch with anger or sadness, uh, uh, I feel it inside me and they know I'm feeling it and they feel me feeling it, but I have to do that from a very responsible, strong place as a clinician. 
the, the yeah. couple has to feel contained by me entirely and not take care of me. Right. And I do that very, I do that very fast. I, well, I and the other, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and, and I don't, I almost don't give them an opportunity. Like if tears well up in my eyes and tears, sometimes, you know, tears streaming down my face, yeah. I actually will name that uh-huh. and say it out loud. Wow. I've got water in my eyes, guys. That's so beautiful. Then I immediately bring it back to them and asking them a question and evoking emotion in them so uh-huh. they don't come and take care of me. It, it's a really interesting, uh, I feel yeah. very blessed to do it. Uh, I feel like it's why I went through all the suffering in my life. To, yeah. I, I have this skill. It's really amazing. Wow. Well, yeah. and just out of total curiosity, you know, practitioner to practitioner, how do you take care of your nervous system and your energy? Um, uh, <laughs> I, I go through the feelings so completely that that does it. So you just feel it all the way and let, let it move through. I let my heart break with them. Yeah. And then you don't actually hold on to it. You act like you let it move through your whole system. Yeah. 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 You watch, you know, watch a little two-year-old, you know, run and fall and skin their knee and cry, but look back to mom and see mom's there. And then they stop crying because it really wasn't that bad. And then they start laughing and, and then they get mad at somebody who takes their swing on the swing set. You know, it's, you know, I don't know if a two-year-old's on a swing set, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, a, a two-year, you know, a kid going through their feelings is kind right. of the goal. You know, we, we have that until we lose it, and we right. got to get it. We got to get it back. Yeah, totally. Well, and um, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to give an example because I realize, like, you know, you and I talk about bringing your emotions from responsibility. And there might be some listeners out there mm-hmm. who are like, okay, but really, what do you mean by that? Will you give a, an example or two of what that could sound like? like um, uh, of emotion happening? Well, well, um, the kind of vulnerability that you're talking about that, you know, you said could take 12 or 18 hours to get there. Oh, okay. Um, but like bringing it, bringing emotion from responsibility and from connection, the way that you see it in your work. Yeah, I can go about this a couple different ways. Uh, let, let, let me put an example out there of actually what happens in the room here. That might be, that might be interesting. So, so, yeah. so we have, uh, we have a husband and, and a wife and the husband wants more sex right? Mm -hmm. And the woman feels put off by that because she doesn't feel emotionally safe. And this, Mm -hmm. this could go in the reverse direction, but man and woman. So, so the man's, you know, the man says, you know, you know, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I want more sex. And, and then, then he says the magic word, she, he goes right into, you know, you know, and she won't do this and she does this and she won't respond. And I reach to her and she doesn't even turn back and look at me. And it's been years. So, the need comes up in him, right? Mm-hmm. And I need to kind of rudely interrupt. I do that a lot. I need to get right in there right before his trigger. Okay. And what I'll say, what I'll say to the husband is, you know, you know, forgive me. Something's happening. That's so important here. Just wait, 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 wait. Let's slow down. Let's slow down. When you just said you uh, couldn't have more affection with your, you know, with your beautiful wife, what happened for you on the inside? I want to slow that down. That's such a big deal. It's been happening for such a long time. For years, you haven't felt affection. What's that like inside you? Like, where is that? I, you know, I, 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 and I was looking down and I saw your fist clench on the chair when you said it. And then I saw you look towards her. What happened for you? What really is going on? Where is this feeling? What is it like? You know? mm. And then, if he's newer at this, he'll say, well, I'm really, you know, I'm really frustrated. You know? And then he'll, and then he'll say, you know, I'm really frustrated at her. And then I ask, wait, 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 C- come back. I want you to come back in here. What's it like in here to yearn for that and want it? I, I need you to help me reveal to your wife what, what it's really like inside you. And I need to have him come back to what's in his gut and what's in his heart. 
Mm-hmm. And when he can reveal that, and she's sitting there watching and not getting blamed, and mm-hmm. she hears his pain, that is the universal vulnerability signal for her that she sees his heart again, and it's safe to continue watching and listening. Mm-hmm. And that opens up not fake empathy and fake compassion and fake reassurance. But she's over there going, wow, she might actually have a new thought finally. Like he might be feeling as alone as I am. That didn't occur to me. Mm. So new thoughts and feelings emerge. I I do what's called, uh, I make it more evocative. I actually take their feelings that have gone underground and I unwrap them, I expand them and I make them a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. so they can know how important those feelings really are. Mm-hmm. And he'll be crying 10 minutes mm-hmm. later about how lonely he feels that he can't have his wife put her, her arm around him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I feel it. Okay, so like right now, it's it's in my eyes a little. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of all these couples and I'm like really sad right now. Like, Mm. and you know and they would feel that in the room with me mm-hmm. like it's literally like welling up like right here i can feel that uh uh kind of the pain of the world we have these two people right in front of each other and they can't make contact mm-hmm. saddest thing in the whole world but we can fix it yeah yeah, it's amazing what's possible yeah. when you slow <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is my entire body of work with women. Just <laughs> yeah. get into your body and slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, so I'd love to hear, um, you know, as you, as you start having couples re reestablishing a level of intimacy and vulnerability, um, what, what do you notice about what happens with their sex lives? Uh, it, it, it comes back. Um, the, the funny thing about sex is that the, uh, it, Couples can show up in the highest levels of distress. And then, you know, I'll say, well, how's your sex life? And they'll say, oh, that's fine. You know, three times a week for, <laughs> for 26 years. I'm like, really? Like, that's, it's, it's absolutely amazing to me when that, when, when that happens. But, but the, I do like a, a much more advanced training after they've done the emotional work where we actually get into all the embarrassing things that they've never been able to talk about, about sex. And oh, while yeah. that's a, that's a, that's actually a super interesting training for, I mean, I love doing that. It's really interesting, but the reality is it is the emotional uh, uh, hiding that does not allow people to make contact. Mm-hmm. So, so it does not allow risking and playfulness and it's just it's just a more sensitive part i mean we're talking about the animal part of our being here so it's it's pre- it's pretty mysterious sex but it's just you know it's up there with like the in-laws and children and money and our careers and it just means that we if we're still rigid in how we cope you know, when I tell you, Hey, can you move your leg? You know, you know, you're, you know, that hurt during sex, the other person's like ignited and reactive, right? Because they're in their rigid communication. So what I do is I help people with their coping strategies. I help validate that their coping strategies are okay. And we're not going to get rid of your coping strategies. We're going to make them go from rigid to flexible. Mm. So when that's happening and they're in the bedroom and someone says, Hey, I really like it when you do this, you know, would you do more of this? Like they know to say that instead of, I don't like what you're doing right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. So when they when they actually say it in the positive, the other can actually right. hear it more. And yeah. what's so important is room to mess up. Right. There's no room to mess up with couples. And so I tell them a lot. I'm here not to teach you how to be nice. I'm here to teach you how to get way more messy. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to make a big old mess. And that's super important. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts about, um, well, my perception of your, of your work is that like you really create, you help couples create more safety and really just a deeper foundation and a more secure attachment. Mm-hmm. And what, um, how does inside of secure attachment, what have you seen, um, around creating polarity inside of a secure attachment? Well, what, what is, what is very interesting is how many couples kind of come to me with a little too much education on the whole polarity concept. And (laughs) now I'm a big believer in it. The Uh problem is doing things too early with it. It, it, It's anything like the, like the love languages, you know, it's like, okay, my love language is touch. So if you touch me, I still hate you. So, you know, we, we still have a problem, right? (laughs) You know, so, so to make, when I get to the point with a couple where I can talk about polarity, And all of a sudden I'm talking about, you know, specifics like, you know, well, you know, you know, would you like him to undress you, you know, you know, and and would you like him to do that sometimes without permission at three in the morning, you know, right. And then she says, absolutely. And he looks at me like, "Uh, really? Like, I I thought I was going to like get arrested if I do that. Like what's happened to our world is, you know, is too bad in this arena. Yeah. So, so masculine and feminine topics. Uh, I mean, in, 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 you know, I'm 51. So in my age category, like I find people really loving that topic in the forties, a little bit less in the twenties and thirties. They don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Meaning it's more than they don't know what I'm talking about. They actually disagree. <clears throat> so, so we have a whole huge thing here. I wish we could get back to, which is, uh, uh, how important masculinity and femininity is. Mm-hmm. It's just super important to feel passion and excitement. But to have that, you got to feel safe. There, there is just no way to fake it. Right. And, and have something happen and take risks. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, like I'm asking the woman, like, would you like, you know, would you like your husband to take your hair and pull you down into the pillow and hold you there? You know, and she's like, I, I've been dying for that my whole life. Well, <laughs> have you ever told him? No. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then we might have a husband who experienced abuse in his world. And yeah. there's no way he's going to hold his woman's hair down onto the pillow. So what's important to know about that? How they affect each other, right? Like if we get him in touch with what he went through earlier in life, he might come forward and want to do that to please her, but he Mm -hmm. might not ever. Mm. But the problem is they don't know each other deeply enough to know the truth of these things at the feeling level. I don't help couples solve problems i show them how to solve their problems Mm -hmm. i can't i don't get into solving that problem i show them how to share with each other until they both feel understanding yeah i'll tell you a phrase i've been using using lately because i've been getting some really you know difficult cases and it's like couples don't know if they have a communication problem or an incompatibility problem. Mm. They usually leave each other 
at least 50% of the time, unfortunately, when they still have a communication problem. Mm. This is where marriage therapy usually fails in that it didn't know how to show them how to solve their communication problem. Yeah. I'll give you an example of an incompatibility problem. I take a couple through, let's say, 12 hours of work. And for whatever reason, the universe decides one person is not going to be as deep and vulnerable and do the work and go there. Mm -hmm. That's an incompatibility problem. Right. But But the partner who sees that and knows that has been so validated in this process by me and by the sessions that he or she now understands that and is not glued to the problem. Mm-hmm. The person can leave. Maybe maybe that happened for you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was gonna say. Is like this is this is um, putting some language to you know the experience that I had in, uh, you know, in the breakup that you were a part of, you know, where it was beautiful because we actually got, uh, we got so many tools around communication and we really got to see each other, right. And hear each other. And then at the end of the day, once we were there, it was like, Oh, we actually don't want the same things. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And thank God we were able to like have a heart-based conversation around it, you know, and be in a sober place with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of how people will often early on in the counseling, you know, a couple will say, we don't want the same things or we're, we're two two different people. They say that all the time. We're very different. So they don't even actually know what the things are that are different. Mm. They can't yet name the things that are different. Mm-hmm. And they don't know if they have an incompatibility problem because they have a communication problem, which doesn't allow them to hear each other in enough emotional detail to know what's bothering the other. Yeah. So if I have, you know, Jack and Jill, I often start sessions. If it feels kind of safe right at the beginning of sessions, you know, I'll say, Jack, I'd like you to share with me deeply what's bothering Jill. And I'll start with that. And what's fascinating about it is it doesn't matter if he gets it right or wrong. What matters is Jill is actually having an experience of him struggling over what's maybe bothering her. Mm. She hasn't seen him be kind like that in a year. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and he's busy trying to like figure out what's bothering her and, and then his stuff gets mixed into it, but knowing what's going on with the other constantly is attunement. Yep. Totally. And that's where I'm in disagreement with 95% of the self-help books out there, which are teaching us about the self and how important it is to get authentic and real and clear on your boundaries and totally clear with what you need to tell the other person. And you know what? Go for it. And Mm -hmm. if they respond by feeling pain about what you've just said, that's really happening. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it takes two to understand the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It's like do all of that work with yourself and you have to be vulnerable and be in relationship. Yeah. 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 One of the best yeah. things you could possibly do is imagine and take a guess at how you push away your partner. Mm. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's like in a given given moment, I can state yet again Mm -hmm. what I'm annoyed about. Yeah, I can say it gently and softly. I'm so annoyed when you when you act this way towards me. Or I can say, you know, when something's bothering me, 
I think I do things in the way I say it that totally offend you and push you away from me. And I think I've been doing that for years and I don't know how to do it better yet. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what that does? Yeah, that is that is that line. Like, I really want, you know, like the I just don't know. <laughs> um, that I really I still pull that out, right? From total authenticity. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so it's so beautiful. And you know, I really, I really relate to this piece of our conversation. You know, I am out dating and I notice like I'm actually I'm calling in all of these amazing men that have huge hearts and so much love to offer and they're wildly available. Uh And I, it is so much to receive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I notice I'm like, I want to make them wrong for how emotionally available they are, you know? And it's like completely having me um, uproot a pattern of mine. Yeah. you know and and but it's so confronting yeah oh and so i just put it on loudspeaker i'm like you have so much love to give and i'm really trying to open my heart yeah <laughs> and i don't know how and i'm doing it anyways oh wow wow yeah we yeah. Th- we think of the 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 pain that go through that people go through in a relationship is so kind of obvious like we all know about the difficulty of romantic love and all the pain people go through. And you know, what's more daunting and more stressful and more painful than romantic relationship that doesn't work. 20 seconds of being deeply vulnerable and open. Right. Try that on when I, when I, so when I take a couple in high distress and they finally can get to a moment of feeling love on both sides for real, mm-hmm. and then they're holding eye contact, it's very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. we're not addicted to love. We're addicted to chasing love. Yeah. So the brain that's been wired to push and push and push or withdraw, withdraw, withdraw yeah. in the relationship is now all of a sudden, whoa. Here we are. Mm-hmm. What do we do with it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll sometimes actually help them exit because they're like a deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. <laughs> so fun. Well, I um, you know, we are starting to get towards the end, but uh, <laughs> but I <laughs> I want to just pivot um and talk a little bit about, um, what you see with women and, you know, women who are dating, um, sort of, you know, in the beginning stages, you know, women have expectations and patterns and all sorts of things. So what, like, what, um, what do you want to offer women who are dating? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and if people find me after this, I have one of my Facebook groups is actually a women's group with 1100 women. And they actually ask these types of questions all day long. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's about 5,000 questions and answers on, on, on like five, it's about six years of work and it's about 5,000 items and comments in there. And Women that have gravitated towards that group do a couple things kind of over and over. And one of the hardest things to do, I think for men and women, but one of the hardest things to do is to know what this behavior means and predict it out to the future. Mm -hmm. And otherwise known as a red flag. Yeah. So knowing that this is happening early on, like I help women to detect that if they don't feel the behaviors are, are good, but it's like, I often translate the words that are happening from a, from a man to the, you know, to the woman. Mm-hmm. And, and it is a very real thing. If, if he, if he's responding like in all the dating apps or even mm-hmm. at, at, in the early stages, if he's responding you know, with just one-liners and and one word, 
and one and one text and non-responsive, mm-hmm. uh, you, you you actually don't know what he's seeking. Mm. And I'm not going to say this about all men. Let's just say, but about half of the men uh, are, are are seeking sexual experiences, and yeah. and you know, kind of, we all know that's happening, and it's it's a very different experience for women. You know, women are often wanting bonding and relationship. Mm-hmm. And for a woman to detect that a man wants that in a real lasting way is very complicated unless it was modeled uh, for them. And first of all, if it was modeled for them in childhood, they're not in my group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just not even there. So <clears throat> predicting out that a man wants certain things and in an actual bonded committed relationship having women learn that is really important Mm. and knowing how and it's tricky because i teach vulnerability but it is very tricky in the beginning You, you you can't just lay out all your feelings on the floor and be vulnerable because a problem that happens a lot is women will either suck it up and not say what's bothering them like if the man treats the waitress horribly on their first date, like a woman will hold that in. But the opposite is her saying exactly what's bothering her. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that's not okay, don't do that. But I am gonna say if you very early on with a man pick at him and tell him what you don't like, yeah, his brain is playing that out into the future of what it's going to be like with you. Mm-hmm. And men get criticized. I know women do too, but this is a real big pattern. Men yeah. get criticized in some ways for not being more real and vulnerable and emotional and bonding. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. women in some ways are criticizing men and it's like, for not being more like women. Yeah. <laughs> where the bonding is really important. And men bond differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll say this one thing, and because we're, yeah. we're in a really big topic here. I'll say one thing about this. Yeah. Women need to know when they give men homework assignments. <laughs> yep. Let me let me let me yeah. tell you now this might not be happening right in the beginning because we just chit chat, but let me tell you a three word phrase, which is a homework assignment. <laughs> I'm very excited. Go ahead. How are you? Uh... We hate that. Hate it. <gasps> now, let me go. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to become a psychologist or be super deep. Like I need to turn that off when I'm at parties, right? But let me tell you what the woman is often saying when she says, how are you? What she is actually saying is, I'm feeling like I need more connection and like we're not bonded right now. And I'm feeling like I wanna connect with you and I don't know how to get it. So I would like to see you open up and tell me about your day so I can feel connected to you. Mm-hmm. That's what how are you means a lot of the time. Okay, now try this one on. Do you have a few minutes to hear me? I had a really hard day. I would love if I could just share. I'll, you know, I'll keep it short. Um, but there's something that I, I, I want to just let you know happened to me today. It was a hard day. Can you hear me? Mm. What does the male brain do? He gets to win. He's been given a true, false, or multiple choice question, Mm. which is what the male brain wants. Mm -hmm. He can succeed. She's asked specifically what she wants, and he knows how to do that. If a woman sets a man up with what I call the impossible questions, he knows he will fail. Yeah. And he, but he skips that. I have to often tell men, hey, that's an impossible question, don't answer. And then I explain what an impossible question is. 
because he's a good man and a good guy and loving and caring, he'll, he'll skip realizing he's been asked an impossible question and he'll start to answer it. And mm. then he's trapped. Mm -hmm. So how the heck do we know what we're actually asking each other? Um, it's very deep. Our little kindergarten souls are usually saying, you know, you didn't pick me at kickball and I'm mad at you. I need a new best friend. Right. You know, we are not saying what we think we're saying. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love this practice of like, look at what is the intention of the question that you are actually wanting to ask. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Wow. Um, Derek, oh my gosh, the time flew. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, I would love for you to share um, how people can connect with you if they want to go deeper with your work. Yeah, just go to understandeachother.com. And uh, that's the website, kind of says it all. And there's two steps on there. The first step is uh, watch a video of me and a little bit with couples. And the second step is book a strategy call and you can get on there live with your partner. And uh, I prefer that if people come on as couples and uh, it's a Zoom call and it's real and we'll do 30 or 40 minutes and you can get to know me and I can get to know you. And right now there's no charge for that. So people Amazing. can do that type of a session. And then most people start to do work with me after that. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then my main place for my writings are on Facebook. They could probably, if, if we, you have something in the podcast. Yeah. Here, we'll have the show notes. That, yeah. 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 Just find me on my personal Derek Hart page. And uh, um, I write, I don't know, things pop in my head every day. I send something out there. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your generosity and um, just for the, the heart-based work that you do. I love what you stand for in the world. Thank and you. I so appreciate you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you You're thanks welcome. for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. My pleasure. All right. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.